0: Hey, everybody. This is Andy, a.k.a. Love Retro BTW across Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch. I do a podcast every Saturday called Cafe BTW, a morning gaming podcast, a retrospective look at the wonderful world of retro gaming from interviews to guests. Join us every Saturday like a Saturday morning cartoon starting at 8 a.m., 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, if you're on Twitter, please join the brand new retro gaming community, a place to share, connect and show your love for the retro gaming community. All the links are down below and remember, enjoy the gamers week podcast.
1: Coming up on gamers week podcast.
2: Plus a seventh sport is planned to be added via a free update this fall. Get ready to golf. Be aware of your surroundings. Wear wrist straps and allow adequate room around you during gameplay. Not available in all states. Voidware prohibited. I'm in trouble when my wife comes home.
1: (laughs) Why are you in trouble?
2: Because he posted on
0: TikTok that he got a nomad and his wife saw it. (laughs) You didn't tell
1: her?
2: No. (laughs) Plausible deniability. Right? When I'm left to my (laughs) own devices here at home, it's just I kind of forget about things. It's like like a normal everyday occurrence. (laughs) So it's not like I'm trying to hide it or anything like that. (laughs) I mean, the nomad's right there on the shelf. It's staring around. And she was in here the other day, like kind of looking around like, what's this? And I'm like, oh, that's that. She's like, okay. Just like I could feel like she knew something was new.
1: (laughs) Something's different. (laughs) Well, good luck with that. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome to Gamer's Week Podcast. Like the name says, we analyze the best, worst, and weirdest headlines of the past week in the video game industry. This is episode 19, and today is Wednesday, April 27th, 2022. Welcome, everyone. My name is Blue Williams, and I'll be your host for this evening. I have with me my two co-hosts. The first co-host is a Matthew Perry clone who is waiting for his organs to be harvested. (laughs) <laughs> Please say hello to Ryan, a.k.a. Retro Game
0: Bruce. Could I be wearing any more clothes?
1: <laughs> My second co-host is unable to say no to a great big meat log. Please welcome <laughs> Donny G Retro.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. Yes, you, you are correct. Uh, there is no denying it. I never said no to a meat log. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. So let's get this show started with our reviews, reactions and requests. Freeze Easy says, I'd say ads would be okay and free to play games, but companies have more than proven that they can make plenty of money without the ads. But then their profit margins are important, I guess. Got to keep those numbers going up. Eric H says, I'm sitting here trying to figure out when ads and games weren't intertwined. Kool-Aid Man, Cool Spot, Sneak King, billboards and sports titles, et cetera, et cetera. And Nate says, the Streets of Rage movie concept got me hoping that if it does well, we will see a Golden Axe movie.
2: Ooh. Yeah, I commented on that one today when I saw it. I was, and that totally slipped my mind. I mean, if you're talking about Streets of Rage, you have to be talking about a Golden Axe movie. If Streets of Rage is successful... Bam, we get to see a, a very sweaty, oiled up, muscular caveman riding on a, a a wyvern with a little gnome running around with a sack, I guess. You've been thinking about this a lot, haven't you? <laughs>
1: what? No? No. You don't have like a, a dream cast list in mind or... I, the first
2: thought was Arnold Schwarzenegger, obviously, but I mean, he's a little bit too old and saggly for this role, probably. Um, <laughs> I was uh, going to say, isn't Conan the Barbarian basically
0: yeah. the Golden Axe <laughs> movie?
3: <Exactly>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and Eric H. has a good point. You know, I, I didn't think about games well, like The Kool Aid Man. Did he have his own game? Uh, I don't know if he
0: did. Cool spot sneaking for sure. There was McDonald's games like Mick Kid and that stuff. Right. Uh,
1: Kool-Aid Man for the Atari 2600.
0: For the Atari. Yeah. Wow,
1: okay. <laughs> so, and television published by Mattel in 1983.
0: So just a big red blob on screen. Got it.
1: <laughs> so, but here's the thing. Here's the thing about like mascot video games, like Kool-Aid Man, Cool Spot Sneaking. You know what you're getting ahead of time. Right,
3: right. Yep. You
1: know it's an advert game. It's not like Final Fantasy 15 where they're stuffing mm-hmm. real world products into what is supposed to be a fantasy world. Yeah. So I don't mind the advert games because they're upfront about what they are.
0: Yeah, isn't Yonoid one of your favorite games
2: too?
1: I love Yo-Noid. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's a great game.
2: The same thing about the sports titles. You know, we expect to see those advertisements in a stadium. Uh, hockey stadium, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. They are littered with advertisements whenever you go to a real world place like that. So I kind <laughs> of expect those in a sports game. But just like Blue said, if I'm playing something like if I'm playing Streets of Rage, okay, the, the new Streets of Rage game that came out, and if I'm on a city street and I see a billboard for Domino's Pizza, I'm going to be like, eh, okay. But I will say they had TMNT,
0: which had a bunch of pizza <laughs>
3: <They> <laughs> billboards. Did, yes, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> but at least pizza was relevant to the turn. Absolutely. I think I could get on board with that one. Yep. It's still kind of cringy,
1: but I guess. Uh, 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 I don't like it.
0: No, sir. I don't like it. <laughs> and now it's time for the very important power.
1: <laughs> That's the one. That's the one.
0: <laughs> very nice. All right. So every Monday on Twitter, we post our VIP very important poll. If you'd like to participate, follow us on Twitter at Gamers Week PC. And the question for this week was, what gaming thing do you collect besides video games? Which the first time I responded to this, I didn't see the thing in that sentence. So I I just got...
1: Yeah, I think at least half the responses didn't see that it was a gaming thing besides video games. That's okay. We still liked your answers. (laughs)
2: <laughs> i collect spores molds and fungus like what,
3: what? <laughs>
0: <it>. <laughs> so our choices came in at third place was boxes slash manuals got 10.8 percent of the vote second place was books and magazines we got 36.4 percent of the vote and number one statues and figurines it's got 38.1% of the votes and 14.7% said other. And let's look at some of the comments from the poll. So Larry Bundy Jr. said development and debug consoles used by well known developers and publishers. Very niche, very cool. Absolutely. I'd love <laughs> to get my hands on one. Yeah,
1: those have got to be hard to get hold of. At MegaMath80
0: said VGM on vinyl. Nice. Astro Gaming said weaponry. Hopefully (laughs) non-functional. Brito blue said steel books. That's definitely a popular one, especially with movies too. And Kevlar monkey said, I don't see an all of the above plus 20 other
3: things.
2: (laughs) All right. So Donnie, what did you pick? Um, I think I might've missed the gaming thing as well, because I do collect statues and figurines, but they're not specifically gaming related. Um, I do have a lot of books and magazines, so I think actually I, that was my that was my choice because I collect a lot of Nintendo Power, EGM, and Game Pro. Nice, blue. What about you?
1: I also went with books and magazines. I love walkthrough guides, players guides, and uh, the old cheat books like the How to Win at Nintendo and the the old. Mario nice. and Zelda secret books that Nintendo did back in like 89, uh, something like that. I love mm-hmm. coming yep. across old books like that, specifically about games. Love it.
2: I could send you one of mine so you can read up on it, and become a better Sega Genesis player.
1: <laughs> you know, I would love to read that.
2: <laughs> Consider it
0: done. Cool. <laughs> you went for the burn and she <laughs> rolled with
3: it.
2: <laughs> Talk about your all time backfires. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you, Ryan?
0: Uh, so I. Love coffee, so therefore, it's natural that I would pick up gaming related coffee mugs. I have, I, it's not like it's a large collection of them, but it's got to the point where uh, when we go to, you know, Books a Million or other places, my wife has gotten to the point where she's just like, just no, no more coffee <laughs> mugs. <laughs> we don't have enough room. <laughs> she starts to see you wander back to that area. She's like, no, what? she, I didn't, she knows <laughs> right away. She's like, I see what you're looking for. What's your favorite
1: <laughs> one that you have? Uh, it's a good question.
0: Um, I've got a Halo Master Chief one that looks pretty cool.
1: Is it Uh, the helmet is the mug? Because if not, okay, cool. Because I was like, if not, that's a total missed opportunity. (laughs) But I see they knew their stuff.
0: Uh, The other one I got is, looks like a Nintendo cartridge. Uh, It's interesting too. They sell it as a pencil cup too. uh, The only difference is one has a handle and one doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) But the outside of it is shaped like a Nintendo cartridge. It's like a box right on with each side. Uh, That one's pretty cool as well. Interesting. But uh, I got a whole bunch of color changing ones too for Zelda and Tetris and all that good stuff.
2: So I remember the Tetris one that you posted a couple, Mm -hmm. I think like last year or something like that. Yeah,
0: When you pour liquid into it, the amount of Tetraminos goes up and the score also goes up. That changes, adds a zero to it. Woo!
2: Let let me (laughs) guess. There's no L pieces on that one either.
0: Yeah, you're not getting getting your four-line
2: Tetris. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our patron shout-outs for this week. We couldn't do what we do without the help of our gorgeous patrons. Here are the generous folks supporting Gamers Week on Patreon. We have a new patron to announce. Please give a big welcome to Rai Rai's secret best friend. People let me tell <laughs> you about my, about my best, best friend. friend.
0: <laughs> Ooh, you're my best friend. Oh, that was
2: a nice Freddie Mercury. Cheers. Cheers to that. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be joining Mega Retro Man, Gamma Emo-esque, Bill Tucker, and... Rye Bread's number one fan, Fruitcake's number one stand, The Wizard of Zardoz, Clayman seventy one, Great eighty one, BNT guy, Geek with that, Crunchy Kong, Sure Snacks, Frank Grande, Love Retro BTW, Steven Sand, Terry Kinnair, Ducks in Disguise, Jim and Colleen, Games with Coffee, Davey Pgh, the Redox PDX family, including Shannon and Luke, Zach, huge thanks, Retro Dude, and Princess Kitty and Mew Mew. If you like what you hear today, and we really hope you do, please consider joining us on Patreon. Your support helps cover the cost of producing the show, as well as other cool stuff we'll be doing, like prizes and giveaways. You'll also gain access to our weekly patron-only bonus cast called Gamers Week Uncut, patrons with benefits. Visit patreon.com gamersweek or follow the link in the show notes to learn more.
1: All right, let's move on to our headlines for the week. And our headline segment is, of course, proudly sponsored by the Retro Game Club podcast. It's a fantastic, family-friendly retro gaming podcast. In each episode, Robin Hugh picked two games to play and discuss, as well as news, interviews, and other topics. Right now, they're asking which console or handheld you think did backwards compatibility best. And hot takes are encouraged. Send your <laughs> answers to email at retrogameclub.net or follow the links in the show notes
0: i'm listening for the hot takes i gotta be honest.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what's your hot take in 20 seconds or less
0: oh, i don't have one i uh, my normal take would probably be the 3ds has the best backwards compatibility i don't think that's a hot take
1: no i don't think so either
0: i'm boring i'm sorry
1: <laughs> <laughs> i didn't say it <laughs>
0: All right, from GameSpot, Twitch exploring subscription revenue cuts, bigger focus on ads. In a report from Bloomberg, several sources state that Amazon, Twitch's parent company, is continuing to look for long-term answers to financial stability for a streaming platform. Sometimes at the expense of its users. One of the largest changes that could be introduced in the coming months will cut revenue or channel subscriptions, which can range from $5 to $25. From 70% to just 50% for Twitch partners, which consists of Twitch's biggest streamers. Ads are also being spotlighted more in potential changes with more revenue opportunities for creators who choose to run Twitch's ads more frequently and for longer. The report stresses that none of these changes have been formally agreed upon, which can see many, if not all of them, change entirely before being introduced. With so many of its competitors struggling to attract creators in the same way, Twitch certainly has the pull to make large changes like this in the pursuit to make Amazon's nearly billion-dollar purchase worth
1: it. So, what do you guys think? I'm not a streamer, Mm -hmm. but... My immediate thing was, if Twitch was able to be profitable before, why all of a sudden are they deciding they need a bigger cut of everything?
2: I think they're paying too much money to their uh, partners.
1: But if they're still covering their costs, have have yeah. their costs risen greatly with Twitch's no. uh, continued... I guess, popularity with more and more mm-hmm. people going to Twitch than than ever before. So if their costs are not going up, why do they need a bigger cut of the revenue?
2: That's a very good question. I don't have an
0: answer honest for that.
1: question.
2: And I, I
0: hate to say this, but maybe it's just because they can. I mean, essentially, they are a monopoly in this space with Mixer gone and with Facebook gaming being pretty much non-existent. Uh, TikTok has a small gaming community, but it's not a focus on it. They can get away with, I mean, basically what they're doing is kind of what YouTube did to content creators years ago, where they completely changed the ad revenue algorithm. And that led to a lot of people who had quit their jobs to be a YouTube streamer because they were making enough money to do so, uh, have to go back into the workspace because they couldn't afford it anymore. They weren't making nearly enough revenue as they were before. And that's, again, because YouTube was the biggest dog out there. I can't really even think of another platform that hosts that much content, video content, that's not live. And honestly, at the end of the day, they can get away with it. Now, granted, they were probably paying too much for ads based off of what they were seeing from their, their partners. Right their, The people who were investing in those ads were saying, I'm not getting the return on investment. I don't think that that's the case here, though. Is what it, it doesn't sound like to me like they're saying we're not getting the return on investment necessarily. But the interesting part is they're going to reward people for playing longer ads or more ads frequently.
1: That's a disaster for gaming. That
2: is, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. that's terrible. <laughs> You're going to drive away your viewership. Right now, when you go to Twitch and you bring up somebody's page, you typically have to sit through an ad before you, you see their content. I'm fine with that. Okay. That's kind of like what YouTube.
0: Unless you sub to them which is a benefit for sure.
2: Okay, yeah. So yeah. it's kind of similar to to YouTube right now, the free YouTube. If I go to watch a video, I'll have to watch an ad, like maybe for five seconds, I can skip through it, yada, yada, yada. If I have to continuously watch an ad while I'm watching a streamer, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm not going to sit there through that. It's, it's hard for me to sit there and watch something on YouTube when I watch it for two minutes. Like, let's just say it's a 25-minute video and two minutes in, Another ad. I'm like, oh, and it just keeps going on and on. And you know what? The, one of the things that that you can do on Twitch as a
0: streamer is that you can press a little button in your dashboard and that will play an ad for yes. 30, 60, 90 seconds. So you can choose when you want to play those ads as a crea- content creator. But uh, at the end of the day, if I log into somebody's Twitch account, I have to watch a video And then it happens to be when they're also playing an ad after that. I'm going to be pretty turned off right away. Yeah.
1: It feels like greed is basically what it it feels like. Yeah. Amazon is, I don't know how many billions upon billions of profit that they pull in every year. I bet it's plenty. But then they look at Twitch, they look at how much that they're paying out to their partners and they say, you know what? That feels like too much. That feels like some of that we should be keeping.
0: Absolutely. You're, you're punishing your, your talent, right? Your, your, your biggest cash cow in in a way. Now, my question too, is what, what happens to Twitch affiliates? If, if partners are going from 70 to 50, what are Twitch affiliates? Because Twitch affiliates are already at 50 for subscriptions.
2: And I was just getting ready to say, if you, if you're not punishing or you use the term punishing, if you're not doing this to your Twitch partners, you're going to have to do that to your Twitch affiliates. Yep. And now that makes yep. it even more difficult for that person who is an affiliate to reach that partner status. Well,
1: and Absolutely. then why would you want to reach partner status if this is well, what to it gets be you? to not charged that
3: much. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you're
1: making 50% as an affiliate and then partners also make 50%, what's the point?
2: Exactly, exactly.
0: I don't know all of the perks that you get, but one of the things I do know that you get is... Um, so, of course, 70%. The other part is you get to create your own stream team, so you have access to do that. I mean, there, there's a whole bunch of perks that, that can go along with being sponsored and things like that and being able to do plugins and add-ins and all that, that junk. Yeah. Um, so, there's opportunities to gain revenue. There definitely is. But you're cutting 20%, right?
1: That's significant.
0: It's more than twenty percent. It's twenty percent out of a hundred, but realistically, if you're going from seven to five, that's even more.
1: That's more like a third.
0: Right. Yeah. So yikes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there are people out there that it's not going to affect as much. The amaranths and the ninjas of Twitch will be fine, but they're still not going <laughs> to
2: get the revenue that they've already accumulated. I think this is nothing more than a, a greed grab, like you said.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and, and right now, is it the right time to do it? With with games being as popular as they are, and so many people in this market wanting to be a streamer and and do this for a living, now your main platform of doing this on just said, we're going to pay you less for that. Does that invoke now some other company to come along and say, all right, we're going to try this. We're going to take up the reins.
1: I don't get it. It must just be Amazon going, like Ryan said, well, we're a monopoly. You don't like it, you can leave. Where are you going to go?
2: Exactly. Right. You'll be back. From Engadget, Sega will delist digital versions of classic Sonic games on May 20th. Ahead of the June 23rd release of Sonic Origins, Sega announced today it would delist the standalone digital versions of Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic 2, Sonic 3 & Knuckles, and Sonic CD. Outside of a handful of Nintendo-related exceptions, you won't have the option to buy those titles through marketplaces like Steam as of May 20th. If you don't already own those titles after that date, you'll need to obtain them by buying Sonic Origins. The announcement comes just days after Sega shared the first details on the different versions of Sonic Origins it plans to sell. In a chart that has since been roasted endlessly, the company revealed that some of the collection's new features would be locked behind DLC and special editions of the game. If you want the full experience, you must pre order the digital deluxe version of Sonic Origins. Contrast that to the original releases of the games included in the collection, those shipped as complete games without the need for you to pay extra for additional features. Sega,
1: boo! boo. Speaking of greed.
2: <laughs>
0: you had true love and you gave it up. Boo! boo right? <laughs> Uh, it's funny because last week we were talking about this and I think Blue, you said, well, I can get this on everything because <laughs> of all of the different collections that are out there. And now they're, this, I guess Sega was listening because they're like, you know what? She's right. She's away from <laughs> Don't everyone. blame this on
1: me. I have the first three games and several physical collections. So those people who are always arguing for physical editions of things. Yeah, I'm good here.
0: It's all your fault. It's all your
1: <laughs> Trust me, if I had this kind of influence over Sega, things would be a little different.
2: So I guess this means that the Sega Genesis collection on the Switch, if these games were available, they're not going to be. I think it's
0: set outside of a handful of Nintendo related exceptions. Okay, So okay. my expectation would be that.
1: I think it's Sonic 2 is currently on the uh, expansion pass for the Switch Online. So
0: okay,
1: I think it's the only one, though.
0: I feel like we do a bunch of these articles, and that all of our listeners are like,
1: oh crap, I've got to go buy something. (laughs) They they mentioned the chart that has been roasted endlessly, and I'm sure Mm -hmm. if you're at all interested in this, you've already seen it, but they could not have made this chart more confusing if they actively (laughs) tried to make it confusing. But kind of the bottom line is, if you want all the features, which would be the only reason to buy Sonic Origins, because as we discussed last week, these games are available everywhere. Yeah. So if you want all of the... Uh, features that make it a special edition you have to buy the most expensive one which i'm not sure how much it is i should probably look that up but
2: $39.99
1: for the for digital the deluxe. digital
2: deluxe uh i'm not sure i bought the digital deluxe but the regular version of sonic origins which is available on steam on june 2022 is for $39.99
1: okay the digital deluxe is forty four ninety nine. dollars 99 not as bad as i actually imagined Right, but yeah, there are five different. You've got the standard, the Start Dash Pack, the Premium Fun Pack, the Classic <laughs> Music Pack, and the Digital Deluxe Edition.
0: <laughs> the Classic Music Pack, <laughs> <all new. laughs> yeah,
1: not the Premium Fun Pack.
0: You know, what's funny, though, is that everybody complains when Mario gets re-released <laughs> time and time again.
1: At least they don't do this. Right. And that's
2: what I was going to say is at least they don't nickel in time yet for it.
0: This is ridiculous.
2: Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, Mario does have all those coins to pay for it.
1: He's got golden rings. <laughs> yeah, but he keeps dropping them.
2: <laughs> oh, butterfingers. <laughs> does that mean the... Um- what you talked about the features last week of like the infinite lives or something, is that going to be locked behind a DLC?
1: Well, okay. So that would
2: be BS.
1: You have the main game. You have a hundred bonus coins, mirror mode, hard missions, letterbox background, character animation in the main menu, camera controls over the main menu islands, character animations during music islands and additional music tracks from mega drive slash Genesis titles. So I'm guessing infinite lives must just be in the main game. Okay. These extra bonuses seem stupid. Is it just me? (laughs) It's
2: like fluff.
1: Yeah, they seem real stupid.
2: Like, hey, what kind of new thing that we can just put in there and people will pay for it, you know, man? Yeah.
1: I got it. I got it. I got it. Character animations in the main menu, you guys. (laughs) Whoa, mind
2: blown, man. Yeah, they'll pay for that.
0: I will say I do feel bad for someone who is like uh who creates their content based on like solely just I, I'm the Sonic guy or Sonic <laughs> girl you know <laughs> oh. because you'll you'll have to buy the d- the d- yeah. digital deluxe version right I mean so there's like some pressure there.
1: <laughs> well, it is only forty four ninety nine, so it's not like when Mario gets re released and it's already sixty bucks. Right, that's true. <laughs> so it's got that going for it, which is nice.
0: Which is nice. Which
1: is nice. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm still not motivated to hit that pre-order button.
2: No, that'll be a. I'm passing that buy button.
1: It is pretty shady, though. Let's take away all the other places to buy this, so that people have to buy right? Sonic Origins.
2: I mean, I I get the move because you want to try and push this. It's a definitely a sh- decision because if those if those mm-hmm. games are already available for me to purchase at 4.99, it's like oh, I only want to play this game. Like, no, man, we're bundling them up. You got to buy this bundle. So how long after the fact that Sonic Origins is out, will they all of a sudden bring back those individual releases?
1: I bet they don't bring them back.
0: I would imagine, though, like five years down the line, they will.
1: In a new compilation?
0: Or, or like, <laughs> a, you know, a new, individually, like
2: a new console comes out. Maybe the Dreamcast 2 comes out.
1: <laughs> there you go.
2: Oh, don't tease. I think what'll happen is when Sonic Origins doesn't sell as much as they expected it to, when it gets dropped down to $19 and 99 cents, then they'll bring back the individual games at $4.99 a piece, thinking they'll make more money from that.
1: Maybe. I don't know. There's a lot of Sonic fans. I bet you Sonic Origins sells just fine.
2: Hmm, We'll see.
1: I mean, (laughs) Ryan, you're still getting it, right? Not anymore. Oh, <laughs> his tune has changed.
0: It's true. It, it's dropped by one.
1: Why the change of heart?
0: I don't know. This this it rubs me the wrong way.
1: Leaves bad taste in your mouth.
0: It does. Giggity. <laughs> <laughs> All
1: right, next up from PC Gamer. Call of Duty has lost 50 million players in a year. Call of Duty is bleeding players. According to Activision's first 2022 investor report published today, users across Call of Duty games plummeted throughout 2021 and into 2022. The series, which in 2021, reached 150 million monthly active users thanks to Call of Duty Warzone's immense popularity, has steadily lost 50 million players in a year. Now, Call of Duty has around 100 million players. That's still a whole lot of people, but it's the steepest decline this series has seen since Warzone released in 2020. Activision is attributing the sharp fall to disappointing sales for Call of Duty Vanguard and, quote, lower engagement in Warzone. The 50 million drop reflects what has been a disappointing year of updates to the game, including boring seasonal additions, disruptive balancing problems, and a new map that launched with game-breaking bugs that wouldn't be fixed for weeks. Activision increasingly seems to be banking its hopes on Infinity Ward, the fan-favorite Call of Duty developer. The studio is working on a sequel to Modern Warfare 2019, Coming later this year, as well as spearheading a sequel to Warzone made from the ground up on the engine powering the next modern warfare. So, Donnie.
0: Yes. I was going to say, we have a special. <laughs> yeah, we have a specialist.
1: We know you spent all day playing season three of Warzone. I did not discuss.
2: Two hours. I only played two hours today. <laughs> um, yeah, I see it. I, I know the reason why they're losing players. Um, so Vanguard came out, and it's a World War II. We're going back to World War II, man. Where we're we're just
1: hammering <laughs> we love that, that World nail. War II, so we love them.
2: This horse is dead. This horse has been nuked. This horse is nothing but (laughs) fine powder. There is no reason to continue to go back to World War II. It's been done. It's played out. Yet here comes Activision saying, oh, we should go back to World War II because we haven't done it in so long. And people will want to see it. No, they don't. You give people modern weapons and then send them back to the most rudimentary weapons and take some of the essence out of the game that, that pretty much made it. And yeah, I can see why you've lost 50 million players. Not to mention the fact that the game is just rampant with cheaters and hackers. And they said, "Oh, we we, we implemented the Ricochet anti-cheat." That hasn't done jack squat.
1: But thanks everyone for installing it on your computers.
2: Absolutely, right? Cuz at any time they can like somebody could hack Activision, I guess, and say, "Oh, we're going to do something and now brick everybody's PC."
1: Yep. <sighs> Warzone debuted during the middle of the pandemic when most people were stuck at home. Mm-hmm. Now that people are going back to work, it kind of makes sense that the numbers would go down.
2: Absolutely. That's another contributing factor.
1: Mm-hmm. Do you think Infinity Ward is going to come fix it all?
2: I don't know. I've, I've been a fan of uh, Infinity Ward for the longest time. And whenever Activision contracted in Treyarch to come in and, and make different games like uh, Black Ops and, and uh, World at War or whatever. I despised those games. They just didn't feel right. And anytime that Infinity Ward came back with a, with the a game, I was always on board to play it. So I, I would be looking forward to see what Infinity Ward could bring to the table. But as far as what they can do to fix the rapid decline in players, um, that remains to be seen. Another thing that they touched on was the updates and a lot of people don't like caldera they want to go back to verdansk and and activision blizzard has specifically said that they will not be going back to verdansk because it would take like it would take a, another update another big update in order to right. bring that back and they say that every time that they have a big update they lose players
1: they just had a giant update today i know <laughs> mr blue was ready ready to uh, throw our computer out the window
2: mine was 100 gig today and I don't know why. I talked to a few other people. They only had 60 gig to update. Mine was 100 gig.
1: Ours was 80 some for whatever that
2: reason. That is insane.
1: So if if your player base says, we want Verdansk, and you say, no, you can't have Verdansk, but then you give big updates anyway.
2: That's a, Yeah, that's another contributing factor. I don't want to keep downloading a big update when I'm not getting what I want.
1: Seems kind of silly. Why you wouldn't just give your player base what they want.
2: Well, you're talking also about a free game. Warzone is a free-to-play game. You do not I mean, have to spend I get
1: it, but a
2: single solitary cent on that game.
1: But most people do. I bet you have. You don't know me. I bet you have.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I I think I've spent at most $50 on that game, buying some random things in the item shop or buying the battle pass the good thing about the Battle Pass is, though, is once you buy the Battle Pass, all the money that you earned in that season, if you don't buy anything cosmetic, you can buy the Battle Pass with that money the next season. Nice. So, it's like a circle.
1: The circle of life?
2: The circle of life. <laughs> That's all i could got to say about that. I was it. waiting for <laughs> more.
1: <All
3: right>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could, but I don't want this to be the Donnie G Retro Singing Hour.
1: Yeah, that's a different podcast.
2: I would listen to that podcast. <laughs> All day long.
1: Tony, <laughs> G Retro singing show tunes.
2: <laughs> it's not unusual <laughs> to be loved <laughs> by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a lounge singer now. That's great. It's is night. Oh, <laughs> oh.
3: <laughs> <Shaka-con>.
2: <laughs> well, you just inspired me to hire a DJ. So thank you. Try trying to get a DJ who can move and shake like this this. He's losing his mind. I'm reaping all the benefits.
1: <laughs> Pitter-patter, boys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right, next up from Eurogamer. Final Fantasy creator calls out Square Enix for price of $11,600 Final Fantasy VI statue. Final Fantasy creator Hiro Nobu Sakaguchi has called out Square Enix for the price of a new statue that costs just shy of $11,600 or 1.48 million yen. The previously announced one-sixth scale figurine was revealed last weekend and is available globally as part of its Masterline series. It features Final Fantasy VI character Terra riding Magitek armor. Sakaguchi responded... On Twitter saying, Isn't that a bit munch? Are you okay, Square Enix? According to several <laughs> translations shared by Kotaku. While the Terra statue looks stunning, it's incredibly detailed and features adorable Moogles. When even the series creator balks at the cost, it might be a little overpriced. The statue has been created by with supervision from legendary Final Fantasy artist Yoshitaka Amano. I'm Ron Burgundy. <laughs> <laughs> The sheer existence of it and the presence that it commands is very impressive, Amano said, in a promotional video. It's as if fictional world has become a reality. You'll understand exactly what I'm saying once you see it in person. I hope that you have a chance to do so one day. At a cost of $11,600, that seems very unlikely.
1: (laughs) I think the theme of the show is corporate greed.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there is no way that this statue costs so much to produce that a price of eleven thousand six hundred dollars seems appropriate. Seems like an appropriate profit margin. There's no way.
2: Well, how much how many did they make? That's the first question.
1: Does it that matter? Is
2: yes, because then you're talking about a limited supply.
1: Okay, right. explain this to me like I'm five.
2: <laughs> so microeconomics
0: And I don't mean
1: <laughs> your economics thing. I mean how does producing a limited number increase your cost to where you would have to charge 11,600 to make your money back and a little bit of profit to make it, it worth it?
2: It it doesn't increase your cost at all. It's it's completely That's green. my point. Right. but So I don't need to explain anything to you. It's complete corporate greed. <laughs> it's the fact that they, they probably made a limited supply of these. And with supply and demand, if you make a limited amount of something, like with these statues, there are hardcore Final Fantasy collectors out there that $11,000 is probably a flash in the pan for them. They know somebody would pay that much for it.
0: You know is what's it? interesting is one of the prominent collectors of Final Fantasy stuff is a Twitch streamer and she's also on Twitter uh, goes by the name of Unaleska and she actually posted about this too where she was saying that people were reaching out to her and telling her that she's not really a Final Fantasy collector if she doesn't splurge for this thing and she's like I don't make that much money that I can afford to spend <laughs> 10 G's on a figurine. And the interesting part is she's basically, I think if I remember right, she's contacted Guinness Book of World Records for all the stuff she has, because it's like the biggest Final Fantasy collection. I know that there are people out there that can afford this. I totally get that. But for somebody who is a, a fan of this and can't afford it, that's
2: that's a disappointing experience long term for them. True, true. And I, I wouldn't be putting stock in anything that somebody says like, oh, you're not a real collector if you don't do this. Or you're not right. a real fan if you don't do this. Screw right. those people. <laughs> Just got to love the uh, community behind collecting. Right, right. right. <laughs> the gatekeeping at its finest.
1: Well, I don't think you should take what a, a small group of vocal trolls on Twitter say is representative of the community at a whole. Right. Um, Touche. Yeah, but I I have a really hard time. Like, this is just so disappointing and seems like Square Enix has gone so downhill. Right. Like, we all have such, all of us have such fond memories of what Square Enix used to be, what their games used to represent. And now it's like, we barely recognize them at all. And then on top of that, here's your $11,600 freaking statue. I'm sorry. Square Enix, I love you. And I will come back for Final Fantasy 16. but you're making it really hard, really, really hard for me (laughs) to want to continue to play your games.
2: So what happens when that person who buys the $11,600 statue uh, ends up liquidating their collection and cannot sell that, and they end up putting it out at a garage sale?
1: Yeah, you'll pawn it. You're like, I'll give you 90 bucks for this.
2: Yeah, that's a, but I paid a lot. Le- I don't care what you paid for it. It's only about yeah, what I fine, can Fine,
1: I'll for
2: give it. you $75 for it. Yeah, $75 is the best I can do. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Rick.
1: <laughs> All right, let's move on to our top three new releases of the week.
2: Vampire, The Masquerade, Blood Hunt, PS5, and PC. Blood Hunt is a thrilling, free-to-play battle royale game set in a prog <laughs> consumed by a ruthless war between vampire clans. Use your supernatural powers, weapons, and wit to hunt your rivals and dominate the night. The Stanley Parable, Ultra Deluxe, PS5, Xbox Series XS, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, PC, the Stanley Parable, Ultra Deluxe, is an expanded reimagining of 2013's The Stanley Parable. You will play as Stanley, and you will not play as Stanley. You will make a choice, and you will become powerless. You are not here to win. The Stanley Parable is a game that plays you. In Soviet Russia, <laughs> right. Stanley Parable plays you! <laughs> plays you. <laughs> <The> Yakov spirit <laughs> joke. They write themselves. <laughs> Nintendo Switch Sports. Anybody want to guess what platform it's available on?
1: Uh, the Dreamcast. Yes! Nailed it! I knew it. it. I knew it.
2: Get moving with soccer, volleyball, bowling, tennis, badminton, and Chambara, swordplay, using Joy-Con controllers. Controllers they are- they
0: clarified. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I wouldn't know what that was. Just say swordplay. Controls are intuitive, so you can hit the court, or lanes, or field, or arena, and get started. With controlled motions, you can curve your bowling ball, add spin to a tennis shot, or even use a Joy-Con with the leg strap accessory to kick the ball in a soccer shootout. Family and friends can join in on the fun on the same system or online. Plus, a seventh sport is planned to be added via a free update this fall. Get ready to golf. Be aware of your surroundings. Wear wrist straps and allow adequate room around you during gameplay. <laughs> Not available in all states. Void <laughs> where <we're> prohibited. <laughs> Out of these three games, um, which one are you most excited for, Ryan? Uh, I actually had pre-ordered one of these already. I'm going to say it was Nintendo Switch Sports. Oh my God, you're so good. I'm the smartest man alive.
0: (laughs) I'm super excited about this. I'm actually thinking that this might be something that we could do for RGB high score. Heads up events of bowling or tennis or something like that. Absolutely. Uh, That would be super fun. Uh, But the only thing I'm going to run into is that all of a sudden I'm going to hear somebody go, oh crap, I put it through
2: the TV. (laughs) (laughs) I got to drop out of the tournament. Blue, what about you?
1: Uh, I'm probably going to go for the Stanley Parable Ultra Deluxe. I have the uh, the base game. I think I got it as part of a humble bundle, but I have yet to play it. It's in the pile. I have heard that you shouldn't play the Ultra Deluxe unless you've played the base game, because there are some spoilers in there. But of the three, that's the one I would go with.
0: Oh, okay. With this description, though, it reminded me of the Seinfeld episode where they're pitching the show and they're like, it's about nothing. <laughs> <laughs> All these
2: other shows are doing something. We'll do nothing. Right. You'll play a Stanley, you won't play a Stanley. You'll make choices, you won't make choices. You're not here to win. It's nothing. <laughs> you don't play the game. The game plays you. <laughs> gold, Jerry. Gold. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to Nintendo Switch Sports. The the Stanley Parable I would I, I'd like to check out. I have not played the original Stanley Parable. Um, but the Nintendo Switch Sports definitely has my eye. I think Nintendo struck gold with the original Wii Sports mm-hmm. and having something with the newer generation, the newer consoles, I think is, it was just a matter of time. I don't know why they're waiting now to release something like this when it could have been released a couple of years ago. But I, I think I think we need something like this where something these these simple games, volleyball, bowling, tennis. I mean, who doesn't love these?
0: And, you know, I think this is one of those games where I'll get my wife to play them, too. Which right. Which is exciting. She l- always had likes Wii Sports. So that's the fact that it's going to be on Switch now. And it's something that we can play together and potentially, actually, as well, play with our nieces and nephews. So that'll mm-hmm. be kind of cool. Uh, so that's definitely, I think, something that she can get into. And to your point, it's, it's not a Battle Royale game. It's not Splatoon. It's not all those yeah. other games that... You know, she doesn't want to play because it's strictly on a controller. But with right. with motion controls, this is definitely, I think this is going to be a huge hit. I've heard really good things from the people who did the demo. I missed out on it. Uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, super excited. And uh, the fact that Golf isn't coming out right away is still, I, I guess that's kind of cool. You know, you get something extra later on.
1: Is it extra or they're just not giving it to you up front?
2: No, it says it's a free update.
1: I know, yep. but that's the point. Is you could look at it as it should have been included the entire time, and they're just making you wait just because. But
0: it's something to look forward to during the fall. <laughs> it's absolutely. Okay. I like to wait.
1: I appreciate your guys's attitude.
0: Yeah, don't don't mess with my <laughs> logic here. <laughs> I, I
2: I must say that I'm very disappointed in Vampire: The Masquerade yeah. being a battle royale. Come. On.
1: Free-to-play Battle Royale. That's brutal. Uh,
2: I've been waiting for this game for a few years now, and to finally hear that something's coming out with it, that it's a stupid Battle Royale, no.
1: And I saw an article, and to be fair, I didn't read it, but I saw a little blurb from an article where the developers were saying that nobody wants to program for free-to-play, pay-to-win stuff. Like, you can't recruit talent to make those kind of games. Nobody wants to make them. So right. Um, I'm a bet that that kind of apathy shows up in the final product.
2: Now, I will say that this is different than Bloodlines Two. Bloodlines Two is is actually, I think, the the story driven um, single player game action adventure that we're waiting on. So, this Blood Hunt Battle Royale is something I think just to keep us appeased until the Bloodlines Two does come out. But are you appeased? No, I'm not a <laughs> <laughs> Not in the slightest. Well, there it is. There it is. So, as many of you might know, I will be taking the Gamers Week podcast on the road this weekend to the Midwest Gaming Classic. If you're not familiar with the Midwest Gaming Classic, it's a video game convention, and it's held in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hello, Wisconsin! so what i wanted to do was i wanted to do a giveaway for the show for the listeners of the podcast for the listeners of the podcast and those that are going to be at the midwest gaming classic if you can answer this question and be one of the first people to come find me at the midwest gaming classic i will be wearing my gamers week podcast sweatshirt so i'll be easy to find if you can answer this question you will win yourself a prize (laughs) <laughs> what's the question? Fine. I was going to say, what's the prize? You should
1: probably <laughs> specify that.
2: <laughs> so the first person that can correctly answer this question will get The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time Ooh. for the N64. Ooh. It is a loose cart, but the first person that finds me this weekend and answers the question, you'll receive that. The second person to come up to me with the answer will receive Hitman 2, Silent Assassin, for the PS2. Nice. And the third person will find themselves the owner of Finding Nemo, Greatest Hits, for the (laughs) PS2.
1: What is the platform of that, pray tell?
2: That is for PlayStation 2.
1: Okay. <laughs>
2: Somebody finds out they're the third person and it's going to be the fourth person. They're comes- <laughs> like, no, thanks.
1: You know what you should do is put a nice like little note in there, like first place, second place, third place. Love Gamers Week podcast.
2: Absolutely. That's a nice little touch.
1: It is a nice little touch.
2: So what's the question you might ask? Well, in one of our previous episodes, we talked about how the Halo TV show, the music could potentially be replaced. What song did we jokingly say it could be replaced with? So to prevent you from having to go back and listen to all of our episodes, to find the answer, I'll give you a hint. The range is between episode 5 and episode 10. So if you can find that answer and be one of the first three people to come up to me at Midwest Gaming Classic this weekend and give me the answer, First person will get The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time for the N64. Second person will get Hitman 2, Silent Assassin for the PS2. And the third person will get Finding Nemo, Greatest Hits (laughs) on PlayStation 2.
1: That's good stuff right there.
2: That's good.
1: (laughs) All right, let's move on to our main topic for the week. Sony's PlayStation has been making major headlines this week. Here's a roundup of PlayStation news. First up from IGN, PlayStation reportedly now requiring developers to create two-hour game trials. Game developers are reportedly now required to create timed game demos for PlayStation Plus premium subscribers. Going forward, any game that costs $34 or higher must have an accompanying game trial for Sony's subscription service that lasts for at least two hours. According to a report from Game Developer, many studios received this news in a new update in Sony's developer portal, and were reportedly not provided any previous communication about such a change. Developers reportedly have up to three months from the release of their games to put out a time trial, and they are required to be available on PlayStation subscription service at a minimum of 12 months. This new policy is separate from normal demos, and developers are still allowed to pursue initiatives like free-to-play weekends for all PlayStation owners. Sony announced its rebranded subscription service last month and unveiled the three new tiers for PlayStation Plus. It's set to launch next month in Asian markets, excluding Japan, on May 23rd. Japan soon follows on June 1st, with the Americas on June 13th, and Europe on June 22nd. So we talked about this before, how the demos were kind of exciting for players, but we suspected that developers weren't going to want to make them. It seems like PlayStation has come to the same conclusion because they're just going to force developers to make them.
2: <laughs> I don't think this is a bad move. I like the move because it doesn't, if I get to play a game, if I get to demo a game for two hours, I mean, come on, that's, that's, a, that's enough time to really get into the meat of a game and see if you actually mm-hmm. like it, if you like the mechanics. And if it's not worth spending my hard-earned money on it, then I'll walk away. And you bring up an interesting point. For me, I've actually got a rule when it comes to a game. I
0: must play it for at least two hours to give it a chance. So every time I play a game, even if it's retro, I'm going to play it for two hours. And if it's not my thing, I'll turn it off. (laughs) So probably Finding Nemo would turn that off after two hours. come on.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think you gave Kingdom Hearts two hours.
2: Mm, that's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> He's breaking his own rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, but
1: It's more of a guideline.
0: Mostly. Yeah, there we go. More of a guideline than a rule. Uh, but my only concern with this is the short term we're talking about. This is probably going to be a crunch situation for a lot of developers uh, in the forefront. The fact that they have not communicated this up until this point, And all of a sudden, if your game is releasing in three months, uh, you are... S O L, You got to come up with something really quick.
1: Well, I mean, so, they, you can put it out up to three months from the release. So that right. does give you some extra time.
0: It does get it. But if you hadn't planned that, if that wasn't part of your project plan, you're going to have to put a lot of extra resources in that in order to get it out. And imagine this. If, if you put all those extra resources into it and it's super buggy because you didn't have enough time to test it out, you might be in trouble. So... Uh, that's a problem, though, that's only for the short term, because honestly, in the future, every time you program a game, you're going to include that that time frame. So right. short term, that, that sucks for a lot of developers who are releasing stuff right now.
1: Mm hmm. And I think it does point to what's certainly becoming an ongoing problem with Sony is the lack of communication. You remember how right. awful they were uh, leading up to the release of the PS5, where they just wouldn't tell anybody anything. And then they didn't explain how the pre- what day the pre-orders were meant to go live for the <laughs> PS5. So retailers put them out early and it was a huge dumpster fire. And so mm-hmm. now it appears that the lack of communication is internal as well. So that's stupid.
0: <laughs> a lot of stupid tonight. <laughs> a lot of
1: stupid tonight, for real. Um, but what do you guys think about the thirty-four dollar cutoff?
0: I think it helps with indie games not having to do a two-hour demo, which right. they may not have the resources to do it. So I see why they're doing that.
1: Do you think it will affect a lot of, like maybe like mid-tier games, to where, let's say, you were thinking about pricing your game at forty dollars, but now you might make it thirty-three dollars, so that you don't have to do. That's a good point. <laughs> the timed game demo.
2: If you can afford to eat that much profit, then go for it. But I honestly, I don't know. Well, you would you would sit there and go, okay,
0: if we lose six dollars on a game or seven dollars on a game, how much time is it going to cost us to make a two hour demo? Mm
3: -hmm. Right.
2: Which which is worse,
0: which is like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's a good point. I mean, we're talking about two things that are
2: great for the consumer. (laughs) It's it's Mm -hmm. a little less. And you get a chance to play it beforehand. Absolutely. I mean, I'm all for the consumer getting something back in a greedy, corporate, money-hungry world. Exactly. So it's a win for us.
1: Not even mad about it. Nope. (laughs)
2: All right. Next up
0: from BGC, PlayStation has set up a new game preservation team. Garrett Fredley... Who had previously been working as a build engineer for Canadian mobile developer Kablam has now joined PlayStation as a senior build engineer. Celebrating his new employment, Fredley posted a message on his Twitter and LinkedIn pages expressing his excitement at joining the new preservation team. Today is my first day as a senior build engineer for PlayStation working as one of their initial hires for this newly created preservation team, Fredley wrote. Fredley had worked for EA between 2016 and 2019, where he solely led the preservation efforts for the FIFA franchise, resulting in the complete archival of multiple titles. It's not clear yet what his role will entail or exactly what this new games preservation team aims will be. Sony has recently been criticized for making decisions said to be harmful to game preservation. Last year, it confirmed that it would be closing the PS3, Vita, and PSP digital stores in summer of 2021. News that was met with widespread backlash due to the number of digital-only games that will no longer be available. The platform holder made a partial U-turn the following month with Sony Interactive Entertainment president Jim Ryan said it had realized it had made the wrong decision in planning to close the stores.
1: This feels like a PR move.
0: It does. I agree. 100%.
1: I don't think Sony gives a rat's butt about games preservation. And unless this team is going to be thousands upon thousands of people strong, which I suppose it's possible, but I don't think so. I don't see how they could make a meaningful dent in the entire back catalog of PlayStation going back to the PS1. I think that they're just doing this so that they can claim they care about games preservation while going on to close those storefronts like they originally intended to.
0: Mm -hmm. But look what we're doing on the the back end.
1: Yeah, we're we're making concerted efforts and putting all these resources into games preservation, but I don't buy it.
2: We just preserved the entire FIFA franchise. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah, because
1: those change <laughs> so much from year to year.
2: Right. It,
0: with the preservation efforts with FIFA, did they release like a complete collection of all these games available for play, or did they just say we're holding on to this stuff?
1: I mean, I don't see why you would have to release a collection when you can go to a used game store and pick them up for a buck fifty.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> When you have digital only games, I, I think it's essential to preserve them. What's the, the PS3 store? Okay. We're now on the PS5. When we get to the PS6, do you think Sony really wants to keep paying money to have the PS3 network still in play? No. No. So uh, do we make those games then available to be played on the newer consoles?
1: porting them forward, that would take yeah. work as well. Although somehow Xbox manages to do it, but yeah, they went ahead and despite the backlash, they still closed the PSP digital storefront. And I think there was something like 35 games, digital only games that are now gone forever.
2: And and I can, I can see Sony's point where they say, well, you had time to play them. Is it really going to be that upsetting if you're not able to access this game ever again? I mean, if I paid for it, sure, uh, then I want to be able to play it. If I gave you money for a game, then you need to make that game available to me for as long as I'm alive. And now you're just suddenly taking this away from me because you feel like you can.
1: It goes on to like the ongoing debate about games preservation is does every single game need to be preserved or not? And who decides which games need to be preserved or not?
0: Right. Right. Which, uh, that would make me lean towards every game possible needs to be preserved because you don't get to be judge, jury, and executioner.
2: Even like redneck rampage. Okay. Think about that. Oh, game. Do it, not tell somebody that that's a bad game. Cause <laughs> no, 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 Okay. I, I exactly who you're talking about, but no. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's a bad game. It's a unique, funny game. It's a, it's a, it's a unique take on the first person shooters that were popular back then. Um, like doom and, and, um, Um, help me out here um quake Quake, wolfenstein Yeah. yeah yeah exactly wolfenstein sorry i was thinking of wolfenstein to say that that game shouldn't be preserved because you think it's just a it's like ah it's a piece of crap when it's somebody else's like golden grail sure like oh my god i had so much fun playing this game with these people and yada 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 and now you're telling me that we're just not we're just going to forget about this game and nobody can ever play it ever again and I see that all the time where somebody will go, hey, you remember that assy game
0: I played back in the day, and it was this, and you had to do X, Y, or Z. Uh, a lot of those games, especially PC games, which were shareware, are gone. There's yep. there's no way you'll ever be able to find them. And there are people who have good memories of those games. So regardless of how our opinions are, because I have strong opinions about what games are good and not good. (laughs) So if I was the deciding factor, bye-bye Kingdom Hearts. (laughs) See, that's what I'm getting at, though. They already
1: lost the source codes for that and had to rebuild it from scratch. They can do it again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We can rebuild
0: it. Yep,
1: we have the technology. Better,
2: stronger, faster. Blue's like, them's fighting words.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Also, I just want to say... I did job hunting recently and this did not come up on my feed.
1: Oh, games preservationist?
0: Yes. (laughs) How did I not get this job? That's all I got to say. Because that's got to be a sweet deal. Like your boss is like, hey, you know, how are things going? Oh, man, I was up all night playing Redneck Rampage and I just, (laughs) uh, I don't know. I don't think I'm going to make it in today.
1: (laughs) I don't think that's probably how it works. (laughs) Well,
0: you know, that's, that's my imagination. He's the first one, though. He's going be like, he, man, he I g- was
1: up all night going over lines of code for a Redneck Rampage. Probably.
0: Right. <laughs> that's a good point.
1: All right. Before we bring in Professor Rybred, let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor. Gaming History 101 is proudly sponsored by the Leadest Podcast. It's a show where three friends and occasional guests play games about video games, including trivia, game show games, and more. Here is this week's trivia question. Baiters, mutants, prods, progs and Swarmers, four enemies from one game, one enemy from another game. Who is the odd man out and what are the two games? Tune into the latest podcast this Wednesday to hear the answer. You can find the Leadist on your favorite podcast platform, and we'll also have links in the show notes.
0: So I know one of the answers to this and I asked him from latest if I was correct. And his response was, you're halfway there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
2: Living on a prayer. But the problem is, I got the easy one. So.
3: <laughs> uh,
2: I told you earlier that I thought it was uh, possibly Galaga or Centipede. Um, and those are the two that I'm
0: picking. I'm not going to give that as a right or wrong. You're going to have to listen to Elitus to find out.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs>
0: All right, thank you for coming students. Please take your seats. Welcome back to Professor Rybred's Gaming History 101. And in today's lesson, we're going to discuss a contest steeped in lore and speculation that is to this day still a part of urban legend. And of course, we're going to be talking about the Sword Quest contest for Atari. So let's start things off at the beginning. In 1980, Atari released one of the most popular games of all time. You might know this one. Adventure, which was done by Warren Robinette, which was a unique game in is that it was one of the first games to feature Easter eggs or hidden parts of the game that you can only be accessed by performing very specific tasks. Which only fueled its popularity. Interesting enough, he didn't announce that for like a year and then someone found it (laughs) and it, it blew up. It became this whole thing about Easter eggs when it comes to games. So in 82, Atari was beginning to see some of their sales slide and wanted to create a game that would utilize the concept of Easter eggs to kind of create a buzz, if you will, and eventually led to more sales. So as a result, the Sword Quest series was born. Of which four games were planned for it. SorQuest, Earth World, Fire World, Water World, not the one with Kevin Costner, and Airworld. <laughs> now, what's really cool about this is that, that, you know, this just wasn't just any contest or giveaway, right? These prizes were truly epic. They were made by a company called Franklin Mint, who at the time was a world-renowned producer of high-end jewelry, coins, metals, and other collectibles. And the prizes were altogether valued at over a hundred and fifty thousand dollars, or if you do quick math about inflation, that's four hundred and forty thousand dollars in twenty twenty two. So, Yamaha, right? That's a house. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I was trying to figure out how many Final Fantasy six statues it would be.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> I got forty four hundred of these babies. <laughs> So the first game that released was Earthworld in 82, and it's based on puzzles that were uh, around the Western Zodiac. So the whole point was that you were kind of moving in between rooms, and eventually what you would play is these little mini games, and those mini games would provide you with clues, right? So Atari received 5,000 entries, but Stephen Bell walked away with the talisman of penultimate truth (laughs) an 18 karat gold disc studded with 12 diamonds and the birthstones of the 12 zodiacs along with a miniature white gold sword set on top of it it's a little much it's gaudy it's it's gaudy yeah Yeah. (laughs) the only problem is if you want to get your hands on it today too bad steven actually melted it down for cash so
1: son of a steven what the hell
0: Right? <laughs> Supposedly he kept some of the diamonds and the, the, the gemstones and the sword, but the, the disc itself is, is gone. It has been melted.
2: Man.
0: Yeah. So next released in February of 83 was Fireworld, uh, which were based on puzzles from the Kabbalah Tree of Life. And a gentleman by the name of Michael Roudout, Rideout won the Chalice of Light, which was a goblet made of platinum gold-studded with diamonds, rubies, sapphires, pearls, and a green jade. And according to a recent interview with Michael, he still has the cup and hasn't had it appraised and isn't looking to
2: part with it.
1: Where does Michael live?
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're coming for you, Michael. But can you imagine what that chalice would be worth today? Right. The, the interesting part is I, I was
0: l- reading an interview that he had went through and he doesn't seem to think that it was originally $25,000 when he got it. He doesn't, he thinks it's kind of chintz actually. He said there was no markings on it whatsoever. It didn't even say on it that it was part of the mint uh, as well. Nothing on it. So it's just very basic.
1: <laughs> it's stuffed full of like every gemstone they right. could think right. of, <laughs> but it's like super basic.
0: <laughs> so, but this is the part of the story where things get a little hairy. So in, Atari in 83 wasn't doing well, and uh, actually their CEO, Ray Kassar, which we've talked about before and and discussed with uh, uh, Howard Scott Warshaw, was actually ousted for being involved in an insider trading scandal. Now, new CEO comes in looking to cut costs. Uh, They actually sought to cancel the Sword Quest contest. But the problem is, is that the next installment, Waterworld, had already been heavily advertised. And so legally, they were required to go through with the contest. Uh, so now Atari eventually was bought out by Jack Tremell. and during that time too, Jack wanted nothing to do with the contest, but their legal team stated that they still had to go through with it. So Atari actually, in secret, invited 10 players to a contest and someone was awarded. The Crown of Life, which is a solid gold crown decorated with diamonds, rubies, sapphires, aquamarines. But the winner's name has never been disclosed due to legal requirements. Ooh. So <laughs> yeah, no going to his house or her house. <laughs> but the last game was actually never made, but it was going to be called Airworld and it was going to be based off I Ching. And uh, the winner uh, would be awarded the Philosopher's Stone, which was a large piece of jade in an 18 karat gold box encrusted with emeralds rubies and diamonds and originally it was stated that the four winners of the sword quest contest would compete in a final contest which the winner would take home and i think we talked about this a little while ago the sword of ultimate sorcery which was a sword with a silver blade and an 18 karat gold handle Covered in diamonds, emeralds, sapphires, and rubies. Now, since they canceled the contest after three games, they actually had to pay out to Bell and Rideout uh, fifteen thousand dollars, and they were given an Atari seventy eight hundred as well. And the ten finalists for Waterworld got two thousand dollars each. So, I think this was hush money. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a lot of money back then, right? Uh, but good on them, man. They they walked away with this, you know, unique item, and then they also got some cash. Now, the the interesting part, though, is the Philosopher's Stone and the sword have since disappeared. So it's been claimed that Trammell had taken them for himself based off of testimony from some Atari staff who saw a similar-looking sword mounted on Trammell's mantle at home. However, the rumor is to believe to be just a mistaken Trammell family heirloom, but there's still a lot of speculation on that. Atari historian Kurt Vendel believes it's unlikely that Trammell would have been able to keep them. If they were not awarded, they would have been returned to Franklin Mint. And with Franklin Mint actually got bought out in 1985, the prizes were most likely melted down to their base components and reused elsewhere. Super disappointing. Yeah. (laughs) Because I would have loved to have that sword, right? I mean,
1: this seems like a really easy rumor to put to rest. If there is a family heirloom, a Trammell family heirloom, that Mm -hmm. is a big sword, just show it.
0: And I I assume Jack has probably passed away since then, so no emailing Jack, but uh, he's got to have an estate, right? The guy's insanely rich. Show us the sword. Show
1: us the sword.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I just wish they would do stuff like this nowadays, because this is epic. And if you think about it, it's steeped in lore. There's a lot of cool history behind it. The games themselves at, at this time, because there is no reason to play them, they're actually kind of in a way worthless (laughs) because the contest is already over, but just the other prizes that, that have been put out there by Nintendo and a lot of other companies, they're nowhere near as valuable as what you see with this one, which I think is super cool.
2: And you have such a wider reach now with the, the expansion of the internet and and just information being so much more available to people that it would behoove them to do contests like this. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. You can't keep cheaters out of war zone. How are you going to keep cheaters out of a contest where this kind of money is up for grabs? For sure.
0: (laughs) But to kind of wrap things up, uh, in summation, don't have an epic contest right before an entire industry crashes if you can help it.
1: (laughs) Sage advice. Indeed. Very applicable today.
0: So thank you for attending today's lesson. Just a reminder, if you do have ideas for a story, message us at gamersweekpodcast at gmail.com and we might feature your suggestion.
1: All right. Thank you, Professor Rybred. And let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Thank you for listening to episode 19 of Gamers Week Podcast. And a big thank you to the Retro Game Club Podcast, the Leadest Podcast, and Love Retro BTW for sponsoring this episode. Don't forget to check out their links in the show notes. If you want to connect with Gamers Week, follow us on Twitter at Gamers Week PC. Email us at Gamers Podcast at gmail.com. Visit our merch store at gamers dash week dash podcast dot creator dash dot com. Or if you want to do it the easy way, follow the link in the show notes. Join us on Patreon at patreon dot com slash gamers And finally, since you made it all the way to the end of the episode, please leave us a rating and a review to let us know how we did. We really do value your feedback. And while you're there, consider subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. That's it for us tonight. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next week.
0: Bye, everyone. Every bun? Bye,
2: everyone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I like every bun. Let's say that from now on.
2: All hot cross buns. (laughs) we'll see you at the midwest gaming classic people